My wife and I were going through RCIA, already eager to be received into the Catholic Church, but also eager to learn all we could about the various doctrines and dogmas of the faith. One particular night, we were hearing a talk on the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And although I was definitely growing in my relationship with the Blessed Mother, her assumption didn't yet click with me. It seemed to stretch. Then the speaker offered an interesting argument that I hadn't heard before, and it made sense. I'll tell you what it was coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. We're offering spiritual direction for your life of faith today is what we're all about. I'm Patrick Conley. The argument, one amongst many, that the speaker offered that night in defense of the assumption, the one that sat so well with me, was essentially this. We Catholics like stuff. We like stuff we can see and touch. And if the Blessed Virgin Mary had passed away and been buried, there's little doubt but what we'd see a huge shrine over her remains. People would flock there on pilgrimage. We'd have her relics all over the world. But nothing like that exists. And the teaching of her assumption, body and soul into heaven, would account for just that reality. That argument really made sense to me. Because we Catholics do like stuff. Stuff we can see, stuff we can touch. One of the factors, actually, that contributed to my own conversion to Catholicism is that I felt my Protestant tradition didn't really account for the physicality of the faith. The Catholic Church, though, hinged on the sacraments, vehicles of God's grace that employ physical, material items like bread, wine, oil, and water. Of course, such a view of our faith spills over beyond the seven sacraments and has given us so many of these things that we call sacramentals, rosaries, holy water, crucifixes, just to name a few. But what is the proper role of sacramentals in the living out of your day-to-day faith? Can you overdo it with sacramentals? And what's the difference between a sacramental and a good luck charm? All of these questions and more as today we talk about sacramentals here on The Inner Life. And joining us as our spiritual director today is none other than the very man who made that defense of the assumption that I talked about earlier, that Catholics like stuff, Father John Paul Erickson. Father Erickson is pastor of Transfiguration in Oakdale, Minnesota, part of the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. Father Erickson, welcome back to the show. Good to have you with us. I don't suppose you remember that talk. You know, I'll tell you, brother, I don't. But it, it, it. I'm glad. I'm glad that it was so meaningful. I. Uh, that's. It is a very mysterious uh, mystery. But I also think that the church's belief in it makes perfect sense for the very reason you indicated. And yeah. uh, uh, I. I was delighted to uh, to be a part of that RCA program that that walked with you and your beautiful wife and so many others. So always great to be with you, brother. Great, great. Thanks for being here. Well, uh, I suppose we should probably start with a definition because uh, sacramentals might not come. I mean, before I was Catholic, I really had no idea what a sacramental is or was. So why don't you start us off? Just tell us what a sacramental is, Father. Yeah, so the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, spells it out quite nicely here, and it requires some some parsing and some further descriptions. But in the Catechism, 1667, the Catechism says this, Holy Mother Church has instituted sacramentals. 
These are sacred signs which bear a resemblance to the sacraments. They signify effects, particularly of a spiritual nature, and by them, men and women are disposed to receive the chief effect of the sacraments, and various occasions of life are rendered holy. A couple of things about that I want to I spell out. First of all, we begin with the opening line. Holy Mother Church has instituted sacramentals. That's different than the sacraments. We as Catholics know that there are seven sacraments instituted by the big J.C. himself, the Lord himself. These are explicitly willed by Jesus to continue his saving presence on earth and the effects of, of redemption, to, to apply to our souls uh, the saving death of Calvary and his resurrection. So there are seven sacraments because Jesus tells us there are seven sacraments. The sacramentals are instituted not by Jesus, but by the Church. And the Church does this uh, for two reasons. Well, really, I would say for three reasons. You, you touched upon maybe the third in, in the opening lines there. One is the, the Church has, um, as her mission, to imitate her spouse and her Savior, Jesus. And she does that through preaching, just as Jesus preached. She does that through accompanying the sick and the lonely and the dying, just as Jesus did. She does that also by blessing things, just as Jesus blessed things. And the Church has instituted these various signs and symbols and blessings, because that's a part of sacramentals too, that are not explicitly instituted by Jesus as means of sanctifying grace, but as ways of imitating her divine spouse, as ways of joining her own life into the mission of Jesus, participating in that and spreading the kingdom of God in ordinary moments of life as well as in, in other ways. The other, the other reason, Patrick, the Church has done this is because it really uh, continues the, the call of God to Adam in the beginning of creation, the beginning of creation, God says to Adam, "Take care of this and yeah. order this, order this, this jungle that I've given to you, this garden that I've given to you." And when we celebrate sacramentals and set aside objects for sacred use, we are reordering them to the fundamental purpose of all creation. We're pointing them back in an explicit way to God. This belongs to God. The final reason is because, as you said, we're bodily beings. We like stuff. And whether that's the stuff from a loved one or from a friend who's given you something and it's a memento of the person, whether it's something from a place that you've gone to, a memory of that place, whether it's a picture, all these things, just in the purely natural level, we see how important they are. Well, they're also important in the spiritual life. And the church, as a good mother, wants to provide us with comfort and with reminders as to who we are called to be. One of the things that I really appreciate about that, Father, is that Going back to the whole just being bodily, being, you know, physical, you know, in the in the Protestant traditions, you know, I had a occasion to visit many, many Protest, different Protestant churches and and some were, you know, some were aesthetically pleasing um, when you entered into the, the main body of the of the church, I suppose. But some were completely barren. I mean, in fact, they they yeah. it was it was explicit that they went out of their way to have little more than maybe a cross in the front, but there was nothing else, and it just seemed that there was there was a deprivation that was going on there, something that I couldn't quite connect with, and it seems to me, based on what you were just elucidating, that that the physicality, uh, we being physical beings, that that matters, that we are body as well as soul, yeah. You got it. In fact, you used a great phrase there. It matters. We are we're material beings, <laughs> and matter yes. matters. Matter matters, that, yeah. You know, and that gets right down to the heart of the Incarnation. What did, you know, exactly. God became one of us in all things but sin. And an enormous part of what we are 
is a bodily being. We may not like that all the time, but we are fundamentally bodily things. We're spiritual beings, but we're incarnated ourselves. And that, that, that affects everything. And it affects even the way in which we receive grace, by the way. I think for many Protestant brothers and sisters, and, and you would be able to speak to this better than I, uh, they imagine this kind of infusion of grace is, you know, directly from God to the soul. And of course, there's something to that. But we as Catholics, we understand that God chooses to interact with us in the physicality of the world in which we live and in which we are an integral part. Again, think of the Incarnation. God could have applied the grace of salvation in any way that he chose to do so, but he did it through a body, through a body, and through the physical presence of the Messiah. And so, too, in our own understanding of grace, of grace itself, which is a spiritual reality, but it comes to us by means of signs and symbols, because that's the kind of thing that we are. Angels don't need signs or symbols. Angels do not need physical things. But we're no angels. We, we are, we're bodily beings, which, final point, I promise, is one of the reasons why when we imagine heaven, you know, we shouldn't be ashamed to think of, at one point, the physicality of heaven. Now, you know, we, of course, when we first die uh, and the soul is waiting for the resurrection, what that means in a place outside of time, I don't know. But it's no, it's no offense against theological, uh, you know, uh, theological truth to say, no, at some point we're going to have our flesh, and, and it, will be, it will be elevated, it will be dignified. But the Blessed Mother herself, the aforementioned mother, right. she has a body in heaven uh, yeah. because that's the kind of thing that we are. Yeah, and that's that's another interesting point too about the resurrection of Christ is not only did he come in a body in the incarnation, but he was resurrected in a physical body as well. Amen. There, exactly. Could be touched, right. Wonderful. Our spiritual director today, Father John Paul Erickson, pastor of Transfiguration, part of the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. And we're talking today about sacramentals. All right, friends, I'm going to open the phone lines and let you just call in with your favorite sacramentals. I know there's many out there and you have a story to tell about them. If there's one that you've particularly had for a long time, maybe it's a rosary from confirmation or your first communion. Maybe it's holy water from Lourdes or somewhere like that. Or if you have another favorite sacramental, call in. But do tell us, how does it help your life of faith? 888-914-9149 is our phone number here on The Inner Life, 888-914-9149. You can also send us an email. We'll try to get those on the air as well, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Father, one of the things with sacramentals that I see, too, is that um, in using them and in really embracing this physicality, this physical side to the faith, um, it also, I believe it's led me into deeper, more deeply appreciating other things that aren't necessarily, wouldn't be considered sacramentals, so, so to speak, but in the physical world that nonetheless reveal to me something about God. What do you think about that? I think it's beautiful and right on. I think of homes. I think right. of gardens. I think yep. of places where, especially through human, through human effort, participating in the divine action of God to bring order to the world— uh, we provide a space in which we experience something of the divine. I, I, heck, I you know, I, I, I speak of, I speak of the body as the sacrament of, of our very person, the body. It's, right. it's the visible sign of the invisible reality of ourselves. And that, that comes to us not only through, again, revelation, it comes to us just through in thinking about the world and what kind of thing we are. And connected to that is these, this, this very reflection you're making, Patrick, that, 
all kinds of things can be sacramentalized in the sense of by providing order, by, provo- by providing beauty, um, by understanding things, uh, they can become very much uh, a, partic- a, a, a participant and a means of participation in, in the great dignity of our human nature, which is to participate fundamentally and finally in the very life of God himself. So spot on, um, I think that's exactly right. And you can, you know, when you enter into a beautiful space, you and I know the Cathedral of St. Paul very, very well. Yeah. You know, that is, I think, a profound sacramental. It's a building which has been designed to manifest all kinds of different things, the grandeur of the faith, uh, the, the power of the faith, you know, the simplicity of the faith in some sense, uh, the, the clarity of it. And that, that, opens us up to, that opens us up to the true life-changing sacrament that is Jesus. And that gets us back to, again, really one of the main points of a sacramental. It opens us up to receiving the grace of the seven sacraments, uh, most notably, of course, baptism, and, and to unleash the, the graces already given. Um, one of the one of the ways to use sacramentals well, to use them well and not to use them poorly, is they have to lead you into a deeper life of, of true sacramental grace. So, you know, if you are praying your rosary every day or you're going to visit the cathedral frequently on your lunch hour from downtown St. Paul, but you're not participating in the Eucharist, you're not getting your, your you know, you're not getting the confession, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's all well and good, but but it's not achieving the end for which sacramentals are meant, and that is to immerse us in the real life of sanctifying grace, which comes to us through the seven sacraments. Sacramentals are doorways and highways and avenues and fragrances that bring us closer to the heart of the matter, which are the sacraments. Yeah, very good, Father. I like it. Now, just for clarity's sake, then, um, are there? I mean, there are obvious things like we've talked about: holy water, rosaries, crucifixes, and, and these all these different sorts of things that there are that are clearly in the sacramental category, meant to be used as a sacramental. But then, you know, are there anything? Are there things that fall outside of that? And uh, what would the church kind of say? Well, this is a sacramental. This is not. Or what's the criteria that the church would use for something like that? Yeah, great question. And and certainly one category of sacramentals that I think that most lay Catholics, if, if they think about this at all, would, would sometimes forget or not even know about is blessings. So okay, uh, yeah. we have, as, as a church, a big old book of blessings. And this has been something we've had for many, many years. There was a significant revision of that book relatively recently in the church's life after the Second Vatican Council. Uh, but there's always been special blessings for occasions of life. So, for example, a wedding anniversary, or even more kind of elevated, if you will, solemn blessing of a consecrated virgin. So mm-hmm. here in the Archdiocese this past year, we've had a number of young women who have been consecrated by the Archbishop in this particular way of life, consecrated virginity. Now, that's not, a, that's not one of the seven sacraments. It's simply not. Uh, but it's a way in which the Church you know, the, the Church sees a, 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 a natural connection between that way of life and the way of the Gospel, of course, and opening us up to baptismal grace. And so the Church confers this special blessing. We have a, we have a special blessing for abbots or abbesses, folks that are taking control of a monastery, mm-hmm. um, those sorts of things. There's also kind of the more mundane blessing of cars. There's blessing of right. homes. And those two are sacramentals. And again, why do we call them sacramental? because they're instituted by the Church, not by Jesus, but by the Church in complete 
accord with the spirit of Christ's blessing of things, but it's, it's the Church doing this in imitation of her Messiah. So those would be some kind of sacramentals um, that, that normally people wouldn't really think about. We think, as you say, rosaries, scapulars, crucifixes, holy images, holy cards, uh, but that's not the extent of it. It's any time the Church is exercising her faith, manifesting her faith, and, and what is more, um, uh, calling forth faith from the one receiving the blessing or the object. Allow me just to say here very quickly, one of the big reforms in the Second Vatican Council's understanding of blessings mm-hmm. and in the Book of Blessings is the Church wants the person who's going to use that item to be there because, the, 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 again, the whole purpose of the sacramental is to draw an individual deeper into the life of the sacraments. And so while it is perfectly legal, so to speak, and I think efficacious to bless objects outside of the presence of people who are actually going to use them, that's really not in complete accord with the mind of the Church, because sacramentals are meant to draw forth from the individual a response of faith. And in some sense, a sacramental depends on its efficacy on the one receiving the sacramental having a life of faith, because that, that personal reality of the sacramental, their presence is important. Uh, so forgive me, that's a long-winded answer, but it just goes to show sacramentals are, are we have a lot of them. They're, they're very broad and big. Uh, it's coming from the Church, instituted by the Church, some kind of formal prayer offered, uh, and it demands the faith of the one receiving the object for it to have full effect. Wow. Okay. I, you don't have to apologize for long-winded answers, Father. I mean, I'm, I'm learning tons already, and it's fantastic. I, I know our listeners are as well. And I do have to, just before we take a quick break here, I, I just want to go back. You were talking about the blessing of vehicles. Just want to let you know that uh, when I first got my motorcycle, I had it blessed by a deacon. And, uh, oh, yeah, sure. It's, it's, an, it's an Indian motorcycle, so I dubbed her Kateri, and it just happens to be nice. St. Kateri's Happy Memorial today. Motorcycle yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but she, you know what, I, she not only conveys me to Mass now and again, but she also is a good reminder, um, and I always try to remember her and to pray for, ask her to pray for me as we set out on the road together. Anyway, that's a little bit of, a, of an aside, but we're talking today about sacramentals with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. If you have a question about sacramentals, if you have a favorite sacramental that you'd like to share about, just like I did, I think, um, then please do call in and give us give us the story. Let us know how that's affected your life of faith. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break, as I said, but we'll be back with more right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. <laughs> Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on relevantradio.com and, of course, the Relevant Radio app. MC Hammer might say you can't touch this, but that's not what we say here in the Catholic Church. We say, no, touch, see, hear, smell. Yeah, it's all of it, and we're talking about sacramentals today here on the program with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson, from the Parish of Transfiguration in Oakdale, Minnesota. Let's go to the phones, Father. We've got Josh, who's calling in from Austin, Texas. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. Hi, and thank you for taking my call. Father Erickson, I had a question. Is it is it possible to approach sacramentals superstitiously? And if so, 
Um, how would we protect against that? Yeah, fantastic question, Josh. I, uh, it's a wonderful question, and certainly there's no question that sacramentals can be used superstitiously. A couple of things about that. Number one, we always have to remember that in blessings, in the sacraments, in sacramentals, we always are imploring God to do something. God can never be forced. He can simply not be forced. It's part of the the very identity of the Almighty is that he is always radically free. And I think that, you know, one one thing that can make something superstitious or can make it seem like magic is that we are forcing God to do something. If you use this particular object, God will do this. If you say this particular prayer this many times on these many days, God will do that. Uh, God cannot be forced to do anything. The a sacramental is always uh, a sign of personal faith in the loving Father of all. And what is more, it's, it serves as a kind of a prayer, a prayer to God asking for his blessing, asking him to do that. So one critical distinction between a superstitious practice and a, and a truly Catholic and holy practice is we always recognize the divine freedom of God. We are imploring him to do something. Uh, we also have to remember, too, that if a sacramental or is being used in, in, in the context of frankly, a foul life, so uh, a life that is being lived in total, total obstruction of the grace of God, uh, that would be, I think, it would even be an offensive use of that sacramental. Sometimes in TV shows or in, in movies, you'll sometimes see, uh, you know, an example of like a, of a home of someone who is involved, let's just say, extreme example, I admit, but in the drug trade, and you've got these beautiful images of Our Lady of Guadalupe on the wall. That, that's, that's complete absurdity and offensive, uh, because the use of these objects should be a calling forth from the individual to live a particular way. And when we think that simply wearing a crucifix or having an image of the crucified or the Blessed Mother on the wall is somehow going to make up for an obstinate refusal to cooperate with grace. We're thinking about sacramentals wrongly. So the most important thing is that as we use these sacramentals, we're seeking to conform our life daily to the life of sacramental grace. So excellent question, Josh. I may be wrong about this, but I think I recognize your wonderful voice, and I hope you're praying for me, brother. Yeah, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate the call. Thank you for the question, and thank you for uh, and and it's a good clarification, right? Um, and even with the the promises that are that are sometimes uh, affixed to some of the sacramentals, I'm thinking like the scapular and things like that. Um, that still depends uh, somewhat on the disposition of the person who is utilizing it. Correct, Father. One hundred percent, and it's a very very important point. And and here, you know, I think. We, we as Catholics believe in the both-and. We believe in the both-and. We're both bodily and spiritual beings. The Church is both hierarchical and mystical. Well, sacramentals, I'd say, are, is a, that also applies in the sense that I certainly believe that when a crucifix or a scapular is blessed and worn, God is doing something in and through that blessing. I absolutely believe that. Of course, he certainly is. And there's a kind of fragrance of holiness that comes upon those objects. And this is why we have to dispose of them properly. Uh, so we believe in that. I believe firmly that sacramentals in the presence of one's home is a warding off of evil and of the devil and his legions. I believe that. However, however, the sacramentals are profoundly connected in terms of their efficacy in terms of our own individual faith and our own conformity to the life of faith, which is one of the big distinctions between a sacramental and a sacrament. Because regardless of, of, the, of, the, minis, of the minister's holiness, regardless even in some sense 
of the recipient's holiness in, in some degree. In some degree, that sacrament does what we say it does. It works, you know, by the work itself being done, it accomplishes it because it is Jesus doing that. But sacramentals are different. Sacramentals do rely for their efficacy heavily upon the faith of the one using them, receiving them, giving them. All of that matters. So very important point. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, I do get I do get a little concerned when, when we read these particular prayers or novenas and, and it says, if you do this on this day and these many yeah. days, this will happen. Now, I want to be careful here because I believe firmly in the promises of Fatima, the first Saturdays, all of that. But remember, remember, everybody, the sacramentals are signs. They're signs. And what, what are they signs of? Faith, personal faith. And without the soul of the thing, the body is dead. And the soul of sacramentals is the individual life of faith of the believer. Brilliant. Thank you, Father. Well, I'm, yep, this is a great conversation on sacramentals we're having today with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. If you have a favorite sacramental, what has it meant to you in your life of faith? Maybe you have a question like Josh did about the usage of sacramentals. Give us a call. Join the conversation. Our phone number is 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Let's go now to Steve calling in from South St. Paul, Minnesota. Steve, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Oh. Can you hi, hear Steve. me? I can. Yeah, hi, Patrick. Hi, Father Erickson. I'm calling in to respond to the What's My Favorite Sacramentals, and I have two of them. Uh, the first I'll mention is a rosary I have, which is uh, a commemorative of the centennial of the Cathedral of St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I've got it with me right now. Um and that's very special to me just because it reminds me of the cathedral, and that's the church I came to when I um, when I returned to the Catholic faith 16 years ago. Incidentally, I met Father Erickson at that time and uh, credit him much with my returning to the faith. Um, the second one, you can pay me later, Father. Uh, that's exactly. One, thank you, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> the second one is a crucifix that I got as a confirmation gift when I was probably about nine years old, nine or ten years old. It's the only thing I still have from those early years of my life. And um, it had a hook on the top of it so you could hang it on a nail or something like that. Well, my father didn't really want me putting nails into the wall. And uh, so he, he made a little pedestal for it, uh, consisting mm-hmm. of two blocks of wood, one on top of the other, the top one being a little bit smaller than the bottom. And in the middle of it, he, um, he uh, carved out uh, the right dimensions so the cross can stand upright in it. Mm. And... Um, Wow, it just it just reminds me of so many things from my childhood, and particularly of my father, who he and I didn't always have a real good uh, relationship. And when I look mm-hmm. at it, I think of him, and um, well, it fills me with love for my father, which was missing for a long time. Um, That's beautiful, Steve. That's beautiful. 
Yeah, wonderful reflection, Stephen. Thank you for sharing that, and great to hear you as always. Uh, it's 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 very interesting to me that so many of our favorite sacramentals are oftentimes connected to loved ones who who have who have touched our lives, of course. And we think about um, you know oftentimes rosaries from grandparents or or parents themselves or this crucifix uh, that connects you to your dad. And again, I, I would just offer that that reminds us once again of the physicality of our being that we, we, we long for that connection with people and mementos from them uh, can really open, open us up to the way that God is working in our lives. Mm. Thank you, Steve, for calling in. Great, it's great to hear from you and uh, great stories about sacramentals that we're talking about today. With, if you have questions or if you'd like to share about a favorite sacramental, what it's meant to you, give us a call, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Next up, Father, I want to relate to you an email that has arrived here uh, from Vicki, and she is asking, she says she crochets prayer shawls for friends who are going through trials and medical concerns, and she does have them blessed, but she's wondering if the person should be with her, the the recipient is going to be with her when they are blessed, and then uh, additionally, what if the person receiving them is not an active Christian, or if if she just doesn't know, is there an issue in getting them blessed to this person, yeah. she says she always attaches a prayer and lets the person know that the shawl has been was blessed and by whom. Um, that's so, beautiful. Yeah, I guess that's the question. That's beautiful, and and, and it's and it's a very important question. Uh, I certainly think that everything Vicky is doing right now, even without having the recipient be present, is perfectly lawful and good. And in a situation like this, it's sometimes simply not possible. Would it be better if the if the recipient was 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 present for that blessing? Yes, I think objectively speaking, it would be better. However, here we get back to that both and. We believe uh, certainly in the power of intercessory prayer. Certainly, including prayers for people that are far from the faith or don't believe. Uh, we certainly believe in all that. And and I would just offer that when we give a prayer shawl like that, or we are offering any kind of sort of handmade gift to someone in a moment of difficulty and challenge to provide them comfort, not only on the purely natural level, it is a good and beautiful thing to do. It, if it represents our own prayer for them, however they're going to use that prayer shawl, however they're going to use it, if it represents our own prayer for them, I certainly think it is very effective and good. Um, uh, how God uses that, how God uses a blessed object when the person receiving it doesn't even know it's been blessed, we leave to God. Um, I certainly think that those blessings are important, and they are um, they remind they remind us of of what we are doing. Should be an inspiration to us to pray for the person we're giving the gift to. But I think everything Vicky is doing is is right on. Uh, again, to, to to encapsulate, would it be good if the recipient was present for the blessing? Yes. If not possible, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Vicky, for the email. Let's go back to the phones now. We've got Barbara calling in from Florida. Barbara, good, good afternoon. Well, thanks for calling in. Hey, good afternoon. I just have a question. I was talking to friends the other night about, I have, you know, several, um, well, I wear a chain of, of several sacramentals, but I also have um, pictures and stuff in my house that have been blessed, like the Divine Mercy and St. Joseph, etc. cetera. Uh, and we were just talking about what's my family going to do with these when I die. And I just... <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, it's yeah. like they're not exactly up on these things. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm going to put a B on the back of everything I could think of and tell them, don't throw it away. But is there any, you know, like any suggestions or 
Yeah, great question, Barbara. And I think many people probably can sympathize with with your concern. I think placing I think placing the B on them, or you know, saying these items are blessed, is important. I think it would be incumbent, of course, just to remind your family. You know, listen, these things have great importance to me. They've been blessed by the church, even though it doesn't mean anything to you. This is what it means to me. And if they're not going to use them, you know, in 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 the way they're being used now, a couple of options. You can always always approach your local parish and just say, you know, could you use these particular images? Could you use these objects. Uh, and uh, this might be a good time to indicate the proper way to dispose of sacramentals. And yeah, that is, please. they really ideally should be either buried or burned. Now, that can strike, that can strike one as pretty odd, but uh, th- that, that simply signifies these are holy things now. And so it, it's not appropriate for them just to be thrown away. Now, allow me just to put a plug in here, uh, Barbara, that, you know, uh, at parishes, and I know I speak for a number of my brothers, sometimes we'll get in the mail or people just drop off like a bag full of like plastic broken rosaries uh, for, the, for the parish to deal with. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I understand people's sentiment to come and bring your stuff to the church. Uh, but, but that can just sort of perpetuate what do we do with them, which I do. Th- I just want to say here, I think, in terms of plastic rosaries, how do you properly dispose of these things? I think it just goes to the fact that we should be using sacramentals of real dignity. Not mm. Nothing against the plastic rosary. Nothing against the plastic rosary. But um, they're objects that should, have, that should have dignity, I think, to them. So, Barbara, I would encourage you to talk with, your, talk with your family about that and even to reach out to your local parish and say, hey, I've got these beautiful images. Is this something that you could use or could find a good home for? And I, I think some parishes, Father, if I'm not mistaken, uh, every once in a while they'll have like a – uh, uh, bring it all in day, you know, they'll, they'll sponsor say, Hey, if you've got sacramentals that you're not using anymore, or that are falling apart or something like that, bring them in and we'll, um, we'll dispose of them properly. I've heard of that happening before. So maybe that's absolutely an hundred, hundred percent. In fact, uh, you know, we will, we will put some of those objects here at the parish in the, in the Easter fire, you know, to, to burn those okay. objects up. We yeah. also we're very fortunate. We have, we have a family connection, uh, a parishioner who is a family, um, uh, a, a parishioner who who works for a cemetery very close by, and actually they at, at a little plug here for Union Cemetery in St. Paul, Minnesota, they actually uh, do us a great service. And every every once in a while, they have a part of the cemetery where they will literally bury these objects, wow. uh, and in sacred ground, and where you know there's there's proper storage for it. And I think that's a great solution. Yeah, great, great. Barbara, thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Let's go now to Jeanette calling in from Michigan. Jeanette, welcome to the program. Uh, hi. Uh, I would like to know, uh, you had mentioned that the uh, sacramentals should be uh, blessed. Now, uh, if you do have, like, say, a crucifix in your home, and if it is not blessed, uh, does it have the same impact? And also, I, I purchased a rosary in Fatima. I assumed that it was blessed, and now I I don't know if it was or not. So, can you yeah, great. That to me? Yeah, excellent question, Jeanette. I, I want to say that you know God can use natural things, and I would say that in, in some sense, in some sense, uh, you know, an unblessed sacred image, whether it's a crucifix or an image of the Blessed Mother, uh, it still has tremendous value and, and confers a kind of a grace. It reminds us of, of the love of God for us. It reminds us of our duties of life and of the Church. So it's, it's a very good thing, and, and there's nothing, you know, strictly speaking, wrong with an unblessed sacramental. However, I would say, too, that, again, because we as Christians 
we, you know, we, we need those reminders of the dignity of objects and of the importance of, of our life and of the things that we use. I think it's always better to have sacred objects blessed. And so I certainly would encourage you, if that hasn't been blessed already, to bring it into the parish or to have Father over to bless the crucifix and the house, perhaps. Uh, I think that you're right about the, the rosary from Fatima. It almost certainly was blessed. And, but, you know, uh, objects can receive multiple blessings, and I don't think it'd be a bad idea to ask Father on the way out of Mass next time you're there, and you bless this. One final point, and here is where, uh, you know, I, I, I believe this to be true. I, I can't fully explain it. I certainly believe, because saints and people much smarter than I have spoken about it, that blessed objects are profoundly important for spiritual combat. And I do believe very strongly that a blessed object is particularly repugnant to the enemy and to his legion. Mm. And so I think it's, 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 it would be helpful and a good practice to get them blessed. Now, again, we want to avoid superstition here. We want to, you know, what, what's most important is that you are living a life of faith and of charity and of service. Uh, it's not, to, it, it, it seems silly to me to assume that if you've got a blessed crucifix on your wall, but you're living a, you know, a life of, of terror to other people, uh, you know, that, that's not going to ward off the devil. Uh, but if you're trying to live a life of faith, these, these blessed objects, I do think, provide a level of protection in a way they don't fully understand, but I certainly believe to be true. Wonderful. Our spiritual director today, Father John Paul Erickson, we're talking about sacramentals today. So if you have a favorite sacramental and it's made an, an impressive difference in your life of faith that you'd like to share, give us a call, 888 or if you have questions, these are great questions that are coming up about sacramentals, 888 or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Jeanette, thank you for the phone call. We're going to be back with more phone calls and more discussion about sacramentals right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Stuff that works, stuff that holds up, kind of stuff you don't hang on the wall. Stuff that's real Stuff you feel The kind of stuff you reach for when you fall Very good. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. We're talking about sacramentals with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentevich, our producer for the show today. Grateful that you have been calling in and uh, and sharing about your favorite sacramentals, asking questions about sacramentals as well. If you'd like to do that, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Now, again, you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Let's go now to Elizabeth calling in from New York. Elizabeth, welcome to the, welcome to the program. Hi, and thanks for taking my call. I have a boarder who's 79 this month, and she was very distressed about her family, her daughter doing something that she shouldn't be doing. And she had two terribly sleepless nights, worrying, worrying, worrying. And I finally said to her, "Um, do you have a crucifix or a cross? And she didn't have one big enough for her hand, so... I worked with youth for years, and on the ends of retreats, the Maris Brothers give these beautiful crosses as remembrances to the kids. They're palm-sized. 
and they also give one to me. So I picked one of those, and I gave it to her, and I said, hang on to this at night. Mm. And the, she has shelves that she loves to see things on. She sleeps in a chair. And mm-hmm. I said, and that's Jesus' shelf up there. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. you wake up in, with the nightmare, you, you hold on to the crucifix, and you say, Jesus, I can't handle this problem. There's absolutely nothing I can do. I'm putting it on your shelf. You take your time, do what you need. And I trust Amen. you to take care of it. And oh, beautiful. She's been she's been sleeping well ever since. Yeah. I thought that, that's beautiful. That at the moment is my favorite sacramental. That's beautiful, Elizabeth, really beautiful. And I know of many such stories where folks that have been going through real challenging times, uh, yeah, through the, through the use of some particular sacramental, whether it's an image of the Blessed Mother that they find particularly comforting, or again, a crucifix that we can hold, um, those things can be profoundly powerful and can provide great peace. And again, we never know, we, we don't fully understand the role that those objects play in spiritual combat. And, you know, we know that people can be distressed for many different reasons. And we, and we know that the enemy delights in that distress. And the use of these objects uh, in accord with a life well-lived uh, can be profoundly powerful. So that's, that's beautiful. Very good, Elizabeth. Thank you. And a great story. If you have another story like Elizabeth's there and would like to call in with your favorite sacramental, please do give us a call, 888-914-9149. Let's go now to Sam, also calling in from New York. Sam, good afternoon. Welcome to the pro- program. Hi, good afternoon. Um, thank you for the broadcast. I listen to the uh, 11 radio whenever I'm driving from work and all that. So it, it, I'm learning a lot, especially the um, Father Simon speaks and all that. Thank you. Um, listening to this broadcast, I have a question. I, I my background, I grew up as a child. I grew up among idol worshippers and different religious mm. groups and all that thing. And when it comes to this uh, blessed sacrament, I'm I'm a little bit confused. Uh, this is my question. Um, this when you bless a, a material object, and you, uh, if I hold that as a protection for myself, and I pray with it. Um, it, it's like, it reminds me of like the people who idol worshiping and yeah, also yeah. people who are witchcraft who do these things and give the object to people as a, a, a witchcraft object. And when I read in the Bible, Judeo practice, Jewish practice, and the Ten Commandments kind of things, Moses said, said Moses command says, do not make idol and all those things. But at the same time, the Jonah, the prophet, goes to Nineveh and raises the copper serpent for uh, and tell people to look out on that thing, and then their plague will go away. That kind of thing. So yeah, it's right. A, it's a mixed message. So my question is: in the, when the Christ, the, the New Testament for us, the Christians, this is how can I I use any object uh, for for protection when? You know, it, it to me it's a it, it's a dilemma. So yeah, no, Sam. Charts when when yeah, because uh, you know how when I look at, at the statue of our Saint Paul or Blessed Mother, it feels like isn't it same as a statue? Like we worshiping a, a idol. Right. Great questions, all Sam. Excellent questions, and I and I do think in some sense it gets back to a previous call from Josh about superstition, a, a point that I, I probably could have made more clear. 
the the power of a sacramental is radically connected to dependent upon the faith of the church and the faith of the believer using it and so this is exactly why it's not the object itself no matter how special that blessing is it's not the object itself that that is the source of of the power and the protection the source always is faith in jesus christ always whether that faith is the communal faith of holy mother church or it is the faith of the individual believer using the sacramental or receiving it. So that's a very important point. The sacramentals draw us closer to, again, the sacraments, which means union with Jesus. That's its power. It's not the object itself. You're quite right. If we as believers think of it as the source of its power is the object itself, it's, it, it is superstition. It's talismanism. It it's, it's, can be a kind of witchcraft, which is offensive to God. It's always because of the faith in Jesus and his power. I would just say in terms of the New Testament, we certainly have occasions where the Lord uses physical things to communicate his presence and his power. Remember the, the blind man who comes to the Lord. What does Jesus say? He says, you know, or what does he do? He takes mud. Now, why in the world? This is the Messiah of the world. He doesn't have to use mud, but he uses mud to, to smear in this guy's eyes. And that, it seems to me, indicates for us uh, the sacramental principle. God is is. God is comfortable and indeed encouraging us to use physical things to manifest his presence. The, the clearest example of that is the Eucharist, is the use of bread, uh, which becomes his very body. And we see that in the Gospel of Luke and the story of the road to Emmaus. How is Jesus recognized? In the breaking of bread. He comes to them in this physical thing. Uh, so I, I think the, the fundamental point I would make, uh, Sam, in answer to your great question and wonderful observations, is that if ever we confuse the power of a sacramental, if, we ever, if ever we assume that power comes from the thing itself, then, then we've gone astray. But if we recognize it is intimately and essentially connected to belief, whether it's the belief of the Church or our belief, we can have a proper understanding. You're right. No one should be worshiping a statue. And whenever we do that, we're at, you know, worshiping a statue qua statue, we got a problem. But just like, just like people carry pictures of loved ones, just like people have mementos of loved ones, so too these images, whether it's a crucifix or a statue or, or an image, they all are meant to remind us and to point us to the true reality, which is the actual person. Uh, and so we have, to, we have to be clear about that. Even though our displays of affection to an image, I think about a statue of the Blessed Mother, can be very, very effusive, that's only because of our even more deep devotion to who that statue signifies, our Mama Mary. Thank you, Sam, for the phone call and for the question. Father Erickson, thank you for clarifying that. Good, good uh, as always, good advice when it comes to sacramentals and how, how to pro- appropriately use them and, uh, and, yeah, facilitate what they're meant to be doing for us in our life of faith. And, uh, wow, we've really gotten a lot of phone calls coming in, keeping Sarah, our, our phone screener, on her toes. So thank you to her for doing that. I do want to go to, a ne- to another email, Father, here just before we wrap up. Uh, Marie uh, from Sacramento, California. Oh, that's there <laughs> nice. You go. Yeah, has has emailed in. She said uh, a question about purchasing blessed sacramentals and what's hap- what happens to the blessing. For example, if I were to purchase a or if one were to purchase a blessed rosary or a, from an antique shop or a thrift shop, what yeah. happens there? Yeah, good question. I know many people, especially folks that are that are a bit perhaps more aware of the church's teaching on this, can really grapple with this. You know, we have to be clear. We we can't 
we really shouldn't be buying. Um, we can't buy an object specifically because it is blessed. Hear me out here. The, the, church, the church confers the grace of God freely, without cost we have received, without cost we are to give. And, and it, it is theologically and deeply pastorally problematic if you are selling objects specifically because they are blessed. Now, you know, what do you do in a situation where, like a previous caller, you know, you, you pass away, your family's not religious at all, so they give all your wonderful images to the local antique shop, your objects have been blessed. I certainly don't think there's any, anything problematic in purchasing, purchasing those objects. In fact, I've known of people who have kind of taken it as sort of a personal mission to go get these objects uh, and, and to find a proper home for them. So the, the, the expenditure of money on the object, it, it doesn't affect the... the, the doesn't affect the blessing on the object. Uh, however, I, I do think, again, reiterating the importance of the of the the faith of the of the user or the recipient of the of the of the sacramental. I think it would be important that once you get those objects back in your home, to have them blessed again, even if it is again a, a secondary blessing, because it's so connected to the one who is using the object now, to using the object mm-hmm. now. So, hope that hope that helps to answer it. I'm sure it does. Yeah, thank you. Good, good question from Marie, and uh, and uh, yeah, one that's applicable there too. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we come across these sacramentals in many different ways, shapes, uh, forms. And uh, I guess in a uh, final question for you, Father, if, if someone's interested in a particular sacramental, maybe they don't have one in their life. Any suggestions about uh, what's the best place? Because of course, you can find them in antique stores and thrift stores and things like that. But uh, where might you suggest people come come to? come about sacramentals? Well, that's a wonderful question. That's a wonderful question. Two places immediately come to mind. One is our, our religious congregations and monasteries. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a number of monasteries here in the U.S. that 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 supply sacramentals of various kinds. I think also of, of parishes, like here at Transfiguration, we have you know, I, I recognize this is a pretty common sacramental, but we have a huge, you know, box full of rosaries and, and miraculous medals. Um, I, I have a number of very dear friends who work in the religious goods store world, and that can always, of course, be a very good spot, too. Um, you know, I, 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 the reason I begin with the monastery or with the parish is because these are places where you know, the, the the theology of the sacramental perhaps can be better explained, the background of it. Sure. If we're just buying something on Amazon or at a religious goods store even, sometimes, you know, the marketing of those objects, I, I can find a bit distasteful, and, and it doesn't give us the full picture of, of what the sacramental is for, that I think if you go to... If you go to the professionals, uh, that can be very helpful. So, yeah, Very good. Father John Paul Erickson has been our spiritual director. Father, as always, before we let you go, we'd love to get a blessing from you, if we may. A sacramental in and of itself. Amen. That's right. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven, and, may earth. heaven and earth. And through the intercession of St. Kateri, Tekawitha, may Almighty God bless all of your listeners. And one day may they see God face to face. God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father John Paul Erickson, again, has been our spiritual director for today as we've been talking about sacramentals. I hope you found this as inspirational and informative as I did. And if you did, why not uh, share it with others? You can go to innerlife. Or excuse me, nope, not innerlife.com, relevantradio.com slash innerlife and find the archive show there. Share it with others as uh, you seek to encourage them in their walk of Catholic faith as well. Coming up, we have the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with Father Brian Belongi on Monday, Losing Faith grace and peace.